Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Osband, our daf of the day, Masechet Rosh Hashanah, daf chet, page eight. So page eight surprised me in that I found myself really intrigued by the Maser Behema. Maser Behema is the tithing of the animals um, that, you know, that a certain amount of each flock is going to be given to the Bidim Mikdash. And it's a kind of thing, in part because I'm a little squeamish, I don't always like thinking about these things, um, but the way the Gemara presents it is really with joy. And I, I'm trying to like kind of wrap my mind around it. What, what must it have been like as a shepherd to then, or a shepherd or any kind of farm owner, I guess, who's now going to divest himself or herself for that matter of X number of flocks and, and give them to the temple. Like what, you know, I feel like so many people today are very happy to give tzedakah, but also they wouldn't mind if they could just keep the money themselves, right? Certainly we feel that way about taxes. And in some ways this has the official requirements of taxes as opposed to tzedakah, the same way that we said, um, what do we say? The text of, um, no, the the dates, right? How long you have to bring something to the Beit HaMikdash is different than if you're actually giving tzedakah to poor people. Right. So this has that same feel on the way it's so official. And yet here there really is this discussion in a in a tone that I find to be very happy. So the first the way we count the tithing is on the first of Tishrei, which is also Rosh Hashanah. How do we get the that it should be the it's because they come from it's a drasha from the biblical text. So it's a verse from Psalms, meaning it's poetry to begin with, right? And the idea is, I mean, the words here are that the flocks are clothed in the meadows, the valleys are wrapped in grain, they shout for joy, and they sing. Um, so so this, to begin with, is like this, this idea of this what do we do with the flocks? And all, right away, we've got singing and rejoicing. Rabbi Meir understands this verse to mean that, when, like he's going to ask, when, when is it that the flocks are going to be clothed in the meadows? And this comes to be understood by the commentaries as um, a euphemism, right? That this is really when the rams are impregnating the ewes of the flocks. Right, and that's like the the implication of clothing them that one will I don't know cover the other so to speak. Um, so, and the idea of then is that when is this going to take place? At the time when the valleys are wrapped in the grain. What does it mean that they're wrapped in grain? They are covered in grain, meaning the the it's the time when the grain is lush on the land. And when is it that the valleys are wrapped in grain? So ve'matayam kuyat suvar ba'adar. So in the month of Adar. And then mit abrot ba'adar v'yoldot ba'av, the the sheep here um, conceive. They conceive in adar, and then they give birth in av, meaning five months later. It's a different, you know. I I would not know the gestation of these flocks, but that's what the Gemara here says. Rosha shanashlehen elul. So according to this rationale, as much as Rabbi Elazar and Rabbi Shimon said that Rosh Hashanah for the Maser Behema should be the first of Tishrei, um. Then Rabbi Meir takes that same verse and looks at it differently and says, no, it has to be the first of Elul, meaning these animals are born over the course of the month of Av, because that's the five-month gestation 
gestation from the five months before from Adar when they were conceived, which means that you get to the first of Elul, and now you can say, oh, um, this is when we're going to start counting how many animals there are and how many must be given to the Beit HaMikdash. Um, of course, we should note, it's not, it's not like a, it's not so specific as a birthday, right? Human beings, I think we track our own birthdays, at least in this day and age, we track our own birthdays much more carefully. Maybe back then they didn't do that so much either. Here is, you know, the general of all of the animals that were born this season, they get their own together. They get the same birthday. It's going to be either Rosh Chodesh Elul, according to Rabbi Meir, or Rosh Chodesh Tishrei. So then, Rabbi Elzer, Rabbi Shimon, Amrim, we have to understand what is, how do they understand this same verse to come up with a different date for the for the time that the tithing is going to be counted. So when is it that the flocks are clothed in the meadows? Bizman Shiyidoru Af Yashiru. So they say it means at the time that the grain is going to shout for joy and also sing. And when is it that the stalks break out in joy? I like this image, right? As I said, there's a lot of joy in these interpretations. But Nisan, that is after Adar. This is in Nisan. Why? Rather, the, the, this position, this interpretation of the verses, the flocks get pregnant, conceive, in the month of Nisan, not the month of Adar. And then they deliver, they give birth in Elul, meaning so that everything is a month off. So then Rosh Hashanah, Shlehen Tishrei, which means that the count of all the new flocks makes sense that it will be the first of Tishrei, not the first of Elul. To me, some of this is a little bit of a, a trick. I mean, not I don't mean that the Gemara is trying to trick us, but like theoretically, what we should be able to do is go out and look at the fields and look at the flocks and say, not how is... Not what do we say the verse means, but what month is this happening? Uh, you know, like as far as that goes, it should be something practical, right? Like, I don't know. There's a, farmers would know, except the only thing I could think then was that maybe we're talking about things like leap years and so on, that things really do fluctuate a little bit. Um, so, which makes this whole discussion a little bit more complicated. But I just like this whole read here of like really looking at the descriptions in the psukim. And then, like, based on that, there's, like, a in-tuneness with, like, sort of the natural world that I certainly don't experience because I'm such a city person. Um, and how that's reflected in the psukim and then how they figure out when the new year is. It's a very lovely reading here. Like, it's a nice drusha here. Yes, I think it's a nice drusha. And I just want to note that it goes on, meaning as you continue from the part that I did not finish with here, um, it compares the animal tithing to the grain tithing which kind of makes sense if you're talking about the animals in the context of the green. So then you go further to say, well, let's pay attention to how everything, how all these mass wrote are taken to, not together, but you know, we're going to evaluate them together. Right. And how do things grow and when are they ready? Like there, there's just something like, I like it that it's a topic in Masafat Rosh Hashanah. Like it makes sense because we're talking about cycle of time. So it's not just about the new years. It's also about looking at the worlds around you and seeing like, when do things grow? When do they start? When do they finish? Like, it's sort of telling us what the purpose of time is also. Like, why is it that we mark things with a calendar? Why is it important to know those things? And yes, then to exactly. learn that from Sukim is really lovely. Um, down to really sort of our first part that I think sort of gets a little bit more to like Rosh Hashanah Torah. Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak Amar Ladin. So Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak said, right, that when the mission is talking about be, the first of Tishrei being a Rosh Hashanah, he says it's for judgment. 
because it says, and this is a puzzle from Debarim chapter 11, verse 12, from the beginning of the year until the end of the year. So he reads this as from the beginning of the year, there's judgment. So as it will be, what, what will happen by the end of the year? So then the question is, how do they know that it's Tishrei? My Tishrei Right, so the Pasuk here is a Pasuk from Tehillim, chapter 81, verse 4. Blow a shofar at the new moon at the cover time of our festival day. This is a famous Pasuk. So the question is, which is the, the, the new moon, which is covered, which is hidden? This is Rosh Hashanah. And then later on, the next Pasuk there says, for this is a statute for Israel, a judgment, right, for the day of Jacob. So it implies that the month that has a covered moon is a day of judgment. Now, what does it mean by that has a covered moon? Unlike the other Chodeshim, where there's sort of this whole process, which we'll learn more about, where you sort of have to see the new moon and then you declare it, right? Rosh, Rosh Hashanah, the first of can be declared, right, without there being a new moon that is seen yet. And we'll talk about that later and exactly how that works, but that's something that's particular to Tishrei. And then it goes on to say, Tanu Rabbanan, right? So it, it quotes this Pasuk again and gives another teaching on. So this is sort of tells us the power of Roch Chodesh, again, something that we're going to learn about more later, right? That for this is the statue of Israel, judgment of the God of Jacob is teaching us that the heavenly court can't start judgment until the earthly court has declared that it's Yom Hadin. So in other words, the Yom Hadin doesn't come naturally, right, in the heavenly court. It has to be that we say it's Rosh Hashanah and then the judgment start, which if you really think about, is pretty amazing. God is judging the whole world, but to start it, to like sort of have that process begin, it's dependent on humans saying, no, it is now time to do that. Um, and then they give another... Also about what Tanya Ida, right? Which is asking like, okay, you're saying it's a Chokli Israel, but what about the Omotalam, right? It doesn't mention, you just said that it's for everybody. It's a new year for everybody, but this Pasuk seems to say it's only for Jews. Right? So how do we get it? That it's a judgment for the God of Jacob, meaning the God of Jacob, meaning the God who rules the whole world. So that's how we say it's a judgment for the whole world. So then it says, okay, but then why does it say hopefully Israel? Because it says that the Jewish people, they are actually judged first. So I just like this passage. I think there's a, not a, a lot of nice little Rosh Hashanah, um, you know, Torah here. Um, and also just pay attention to that thing about the Rosh Chodesh, that it is a covered moon. And I think we're going to talk about that a little bit more when we get into actual Kiddush HaChodesh. I think also it's interesting to note that the language here needs interpretation, right? Meaning it says covered. You have to figure out what does that mean, that it's hidden. It's not, it's not automatic. The, even the first part, right, about the tithing. Also, we're talking about verses that are poetic and, they're, and we're learning practice from them, but it's not, um, it's not straightforward. And I think that that's part of the way the dates of this, you know, come into being, that the Mishnah sounds like it's also clear it's not oh so clear from the Torah. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, that's part of the, 
think this is a great example of like, they know how the calendar functions, but instead of just being like, yeah, this is the calendar, this is our tradition. They really are going back to Sukim to try to see like, how does it fit in? How does the Torah describe it? You know, what hints are there or what's explicitly there that really informs us what our calendar is like? Because it is kind of amazing that for a religion that is so based on that mitzvah of Kiddush HaChodesh, this stuff isn't super explicit. Like, how does the counting start? When do all these days line up? You know what I mean? Like, there isn't like, or like, and this is what your first month is going to be called. And this is how it starts. It's all sort of implicit. So it's, but, you know, they still want to always attach it somehow to the Torah Shabbat and particularly the rest of the passage that you read, I think is a beautiful example of really using Psukim to get to your conclusion. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank <laughs> you.